Hey friends, you know what I don't miss at all? That vicious week before the period. Feeling like I'm ready to crawl out of my skin, irritated by everything and everyone around me. Bouncing between cravings for salty foods and sweets and back again. Now it's easier to manage PMS with EstroControl from Happy Mammoth. EstroControl contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like the chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a menstruating person's life. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like myself again. That's what people mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Happy Mammoth products, including EstroControl. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CORP, C-O-R-P, at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code C-O-R-P for 15% off today. What's up, y'all? It's Shanisha from Living Corporate. Welcome back to Real Talk Tuesdays. Okay, so for this episode, I mean, I absolutely love everything about it. Our guest provides such rich, full, insightful gems, I mean, that would just hold you through life, okay? So in this episode, we discuss becoming comfortable and the uncomfortable. Um, and I think for many of us, we face a lot of uncomfortable situations in life in general, whether that be at work, with family, friends, professionally, personally, however, and what we're going to discuss today, I think takes a deeper dive and really unfolds a lot. Uh, very eye-opening. Our guest is super, super knowledgeable. I mean, I could just sit for hours, okay? So, go ahead, take a break, grab your coffee, grab your tea, get your water. You know, I like to keep us moisturized and (laughs) well-nourished. It's a doctor in me. Um, And you guys, take take some time to listen in to Real Talk Tuesdays to our guests. This podcast, Living Corporate, It's brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website, engage with the audience, and sell anything from products to content to time, all in one place on your terms. Let me tell you something. Y'all might not know this, but Living Corp, we started our whole journey on Squarespace. My website, ZacharyNunn.com, it's on Squarespace. I can't tell you how much I appreciate its fluid engine, the ability to create world-class templates and design. It's very intuitive, incredible. We have custom merch through our Squarespace. We have an incredible asset library, so I can always mix it up, switch and swap. It's super dope. And the fact that you can host all types of content, video, audio, all types of media, to put all on your Squarespace. I can't recommend it enough. If you want to learn more about Squarespace, check out squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com 
backslash corporate to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Again, that's squarespace.com backslash corporate to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. What's up, everyone? It's Shanisha from Living Corporate, and we are back for Real Talk Tuesdays. And y'all, today I'm super excited for, I guess, I mean, I think you guys are going to enjoy this conversation, like really enjoy it, okay? Because we are discussing today becoming comfortable in uncomfortable settings. And our guests can definitely break this down for us and give us great detail. Um, So let me give you guys a little uh, background on our guests, right? So our guest is a generational talent who has dedicated her life to development and progress by holding our greatest asset accountable to a level of excellence. She believes anyone can achieve by putting good into action. Okay. Good into action. And one of my faves, she's an HBCU graduate, now ambassador. She continues to redefine the possibilities of success through multipreneurship which has defined her 17 plus years as a leading voice in corporate America. Her higher education and strategic individual organizational advancement. She brings a unique blend of life experiences and a diverse professional background to her role as the director of executive leadership at the United Negro College Fund Institute for Capacity Building and the impactful work of leadership development as the co-founder and executive director of the Why Not Win Institute with co-founder Larry Thornton. Please welcome our guest, Dr. Zila Fluker. Dr. Zila, it's a pleasure to have you. Welcome. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for uh, allowing us to Absolutely, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, who is Dr. Zila Fluker? Yeah, I mean, um, in short order, uh, born in Zimbabwe, Africa. I grew up in London, England, and um, I consider Birmingham, Alabama my home, although today I currently reside in central New York and uh, have lived in many parts of the country. But, you know, I'm a person who came into this world where by the age of 10, I'd lived on three continents, was always understood that the world is small. Um, And that's always been a point of inspiration for me because you can imagine as a young person, you're always trying to navigate and figure things out, but the languages, the culture, the worlds, the geography are changing right before your eyes. You can't help but just embrace looking at commonalities more so than differences. And so that's always been a framework that shaped my life. Um, you know, had the fortunate pleasure of atten- attending an HBCU, Alabama State University, um, and then, you know, went on to Purdue University to see another perspective uh, where I got my master's in both history and business administration. And that put me into the corporate world, right? I called it going to personal fundraising. Um, But after doing some levels of fundraising, I really wanted to do something more meaningful. And that's when I pivoted over to higher education. And I believe that's when my eyes opened to the importance and need for us to understand that there are things we're trained to understand around success, getting good grades, getting a degree, getting into grad school, uh, getting married, having children, starting, you know, buying a house, all these things. But life is not just about success. It's also about significance. And so for me, shifting from success to significance is when I came into higher education, where there was a group of individuals in this world, uh, HBCUs in particular, who were first generation 
uh, students. But what I saw is that when we could show people what and who they could be, uh, they could easily get to the goal. And so the higher ed journey really shaped my mind and really influenced really where I am today. And so when Larry Thornton, who was chair of the board of trustees at Alabama State University, when I was a VP and I met, we actually met as he was resigning uh, but after he had made one of the largest, the largest philanthropic gift um, to the institution, when he and I met and he told me he wrote a book and wanted me to write the introduction, I had to read the book to understand the introduction, to understand how to shape the introduction. And in reading the book, I saw a lesson. And what I had not seen was someone who was still in their right mind and alive, capturing those rudiments of thinking that really shape success. And I came back with an introduction, but I wasn't excited about that. I came back with a curriculum of how can we take this and turn it into something meaningful to help generations to come. And that was the birth of the Why Not Win Institute. Um, I say that because the putting good into action is played out thematically in the Why Not Win Institute, which is basically an effort to develop individual excellence while surpassing environmental limitations using the Larry Thornton journey of integrating schools in Montgomery, Alabama to integrating boardrooms and focusing on success and significance. That's good. Oh, wow, that's good. So share share with us a little about, a little bit more about, or color that in a little bit more about your experience meeting Larry. Like, what was that like, you know, for him to ask you to write the intro? Like, that's, that's big. Yeah, it's big. Um, Larry is a, an artist, uh, but he's also a McDonald's owner operator and a board member at Coca-Cola Bottling Company United and a board member at Sonovus Bank. And I was a development officer. And if you know anything about development, you do prospect research. And I learned that we had a piece of his art that was up for auction. And no development officer ever wants to pick up the phone and say, say hey, we, we hear you're a person of wealth and we're going to reach out to you and make you be a part of our fundraising schematic. Um, and so I was strategic and I purchased the art and I introduced myself to the artist. Um, I had an agenda for the institution. Um, he also is a graduate at Alabama State University. And in talking to him about the artwork that I purchased, uh, we started building a relationship. Um, shortly thereafter, he became a board member. He ascended to the chairmanship. I told you he had to resign. But through that, he observed some things about me that he valued. And I certainly observed some things about him that he valued. And uh, evidently, his um, you know, observation of my commitment to the students uh, resonated. And so when he thought about a leadership development focused individual who could speak to who he was as an individual, I popped up. As a person, so I say all that to say that originally I was going after a prospect as a fundraiser, but what I got out of that was a friend, um, a partner who understands the mission work and more importantly the the amount of effort that has to go into being effective in mission work, but also the importance of understanding how we have to hold ourselves to a higher standard if we're then going to help teach people to operate and use these tools to be most effective. Um, and that's been the relationship ever since. And, you know, we're inseparable when it comes to this leadership mission. I wish that every phone call that Larry and I have could be a podcast because we find ourselves teaching each other, learning from each other, reflecting and just getting better and better and better because they say iron sharpens iron. And that's been the, that's been that's the journey. That's really a thought in my head as you were speaking about 
your relationship with him, right? Your bond and how he saw something in you so valuable, so rich, right? So with that, you mentioned about the commitment and something that resonates, right? And the ongoing work of the mission. What inspired Why Not Win Institute to start? Where did it birth from? Yeah, I um, was driving back with the written introduction in my hands. You know, back then you had a little thumb drive. So I had the thumb drive and I had the printed copy. And I, I, I was going to McDonald's to meet Larry. And I was excited to share that I had a, I thought, a good introduction. But what inspired me is I grew up in Birmingham, Larry's Birmingham base. And I looked across at a building that had the name of a really notable individual. And it was a dilapidated building, right? But this was a notable figure uh, of the African-American community. And I thought to myself about the legacy that Larry had already created and was living in real time. And it was at that moment that I said, you know what? This is too good of a story to be just a two-page introduction. That's about my relationship and how I know Larry Thornton. Um, I had the quotes already segmented, but really for my personal use, where I was going to just reflect on the quotes and I was going to think about using them on social media, help him promote the book because I'm in the book. I mean, it was just a very... But to me, in my head, almost matrix style, I thought about my students that I served every day and the lessons that I teach. And I was always teaching my students philosophically and theoretically. And I thought to myself, you know what? I got a real live person who's lived and done this. And why not start, get this, the Thornton Institute? And if you go into our IRS records and our bank records, uh, for a while, we were the Thornton Institute. Larry objected. He said, my name does not have to be on it. You know, my story is enough. And so we modified it and said, why don't we just call it the Why Not Win Institute, tie directly into the book. And so that's, that, that's really where we birthed an idea. And I have to give Larry a lot of credit because he had, he, he was just writing, it was not even supposed to be a book. He was just writing down notes to make sure that his nieces and nephews would not wonder how Uncle Larry did it, or his grandchildren wouldn't wonder how grandpa did it. So it was never for self value. And that's why creating it as a nonprofit was a very different angle. And I would argue for anyone listening is that you can always think about profit, but profit really shouldn't be the focal point. The focal point should be purpose and passion. And what I will tell you at the intersection of purpose and passion is indeed profit, but profit doesn't always come in the form of a check, right? It comes in the form of value. It comes in the form of access. It comes in the form of seeing and or experiencing the value of what you've invested in, reaping what you've sown. And when you do that, the universe has a very unique way of taking that and moving it along uh, and not really focus on cash and the gain. And if I do this, I get paid this. It's about how can I really change change the trajectory of individuals and uh, put good into action. And when you put good into action, good comes back. It does. Back. All, all things always work out together for our good, right? Your gift will make room for you and bring you before great men. So it's not so much, like you said, the profit part, but definitely making sure that you're adding value and giving back right? As much as you possibly can. And you're doing that with the Why Not Institute programming. So could you share with us more about that programming? Yeah. Uh, the program is fundamentally based on 
it's funny, I saw my wristband in the video, but um, work hard, relate hard. That's our motto. And we <laughs> focus on the five tenets of winning. And the five tenets of winning are very simple. Um, Larry says, if we could convince people to understand that if they master these five tenets, that they can win in anything in life. And those five tenets are simply communication skills, relationship skills. And then the other three, you have to listen carefully because the average person, myself included, tends to use them interchangeably, but they really mean three different things. But the demeanor, deportment, and disposition of an individual. So how you show up, that's what the young folks say, how you show up plays into everything, but more importantly, your ability to communicate, but also understand what communication means. Here's what I mean. There's a quote that we use in every presentation and the quote is by St. Francis of Assisi. And the quote simply says, preach the gospel always and when necessary, use words. So think about that. What it means is that we are always sending a message, always sending a message, even when we're right. not speaking, right? We are making eye contact. We have a demeanor, right? How we're posing. Uh, we have a deportment, how we're projecting. We have a disposition, whoops, how we're staging. And that messaging is so important because people probably judge more around the unsaid um, than they do right. the said. How you, right. live. The like, how you're living out your life, right? Absolutely. And I think, you know, we've got brilliant examples of that across multitudes of stories. You can talk about Jesus, um, right? It was about living a Christ-like life. Um, if that's not your affiliation, it's just about preaching the gospel always. And you don't have to employ a sing single word. So we, we spend a lot of time teaching around that. But then the, 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 the work hard, relate hard, you can't underestimate. But the one thing that I think differentiates what we say around that is, we have another quote that says, work harder on yourself than on any job. And we speak to corporations across the country. And we always apologize to HR because we say, hey, we're getting ready to tell everybody to work harder on themselves than these assigned jobs that you're giving them. How do they respond to that? Because like how? Well, well, we, we give the caveat of explanation because the truth is, and, and you know, you can talk about an employment and a job. That's cool. But when you, the example I often use to really get people's attention I'm a mother of two. And I say, well, I work harder on me than I do on being the mother of Coleman and Anderson. People say, whoa, no, you're supposed to be a better mother than if I work hard on me, right? If I focus on my self-care, my mental health, if I go to the gym, if I take time to read a book that I'm interested in, if I sleep a little longer working on me, I then become a much better mother for Coleman and for Anderson. So the idea is that if you work hard on yourself, technically anything and everything you do will be that much better because you got your eight hours of sleep. You ate what you needed to eat. You were you know, mentally stable to be able to do the work that you needed to do. And so we, we tend to win the HR people over when we say, oh, because it's selfish and it's all about being a better person for the job. Well, who doesn't want a better person? Um, for the job. The other thing is, as it relates to just, you know, our overall structure, 
we started this journey to focus on really our HBCUs in the state of Alabama. Alabama has 14 HBCUs, the highest number than any other state in the country. Um, and eight of them are four years. And we thought, well, we're going to build this as HBCU graduates for other HBCU graduates. But the corporate folks quickly got wind of it and said, we want it too. Um, and then we recently launched our graphic novel and we realized that there's value in tapping into that K through 12 world. So the beauty of the lessons that we teach, communication skills, relationship skills, demeanor, deployment, disposition, you can talk to a five-year-old who is going to first grade next year. You can talk to a high school student who's going to ninth grade, or you can talk to a, a new college grad, or you can talk to a CEO of a corporation. The fundamental message is the same. Those five tenets are what we think really drive success. And you bridge it back to watching Larry's stories, navigating through some very tumultuous situations, some very challenging situations. You're integrating schools in the Jim Crow South. That's huge, but you're able to keep a posture and a demeanor. You're, uh, um, you know, you're, you're uh, an advertising manager and you're black in Alabama and you have people drawing lynchings on your whiteboard in your office but you're not getting angry you're figuring out a way to help that person become a better person and understand the error of their ways you know if someone does something offensive in an office any day of the week you can get them fired right away evidence is there you can but Larry chose not to he said let me figure out how I can help this person be a better person. And not only the person, he won the entire family over. These are one of the stories in the book. But more importantly, you're the only one who's been selected for whatever reason to be in the boardroom. And you have no idea how to read a financial spreadsheet. But you're humble enough to say, I don't know how to do it. And you go to the person who might not be like you, look like you and say, teach me, right? The humility that comes with that, because the focal point is about how do you win? Um, I'll, I'll say this piece. <clears throat> when Larry named the book, Why Not Win, the inspiration for, for it came from him watching um, a, a, a championship. And there was a sign on the wall, simple, not focused on, but it simply said, uh, the game has been scheduled, so you have to play Why Not Win. And Larry took that and applied it to life. And you'll hear where I'm going with this based on what I just said. And if you apply those same, that same thinking to life, you know, we have been born. So the truth is we have to live. And so if we're going to live, why not win, right? You've gone through so much to survive. Everyone knows how we got here. There were thousands of us, but only one made it to the egg, right? So you're already winning there. You made it through birth. How many people don't make it through birth? But more importantly, you've gotten to 10, 15, 30, 49 years you're still here. Live it out. And if you're going to live it out, live it big. Um, you know, there's a whole saying that a friend of mine used to say, if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly bear. Let's be grizzly bears and choose to win and dominate as much as we can until we cannot. Living Corporate is brought to you by Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program. It's incredible. Okay. So first off, you didn't know Rosetta Stone is a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They have fast language acquisition, meaning you're actually going to pick up the language because it's going to provide an immersive experience for you through their program. Speech recognition gives you a trainer for your accent. Convenient, right? You can use it on your computer. You can use it on your phone. Incredible value. Lifetime membership has all languages for any and all trips or language needs in life. 
That's lifetime access to 25 language courses Rosetta Stone's offers for 50% off. That's a steal, y'all. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Living Corporate listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com backslash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com backslash today, today. No, that's real. That's real powerful. That's really, really powerful. You just think about just your day to day. I think we get so caught up and just the same cycle for many of us. You get up, raise your children or go to the gym or go to work. Get off work, yep. you know, <laughs> come home, eat dinner, go to sleep, repeat. Like it's just the fulfillment of life and living it in abundance. And I can definitely, yeah, Absolutely. I can definitely pick up on that with the Why Not Winning program and just the, just that saying of that phrase all together. And to expand on that even more, how do people utilize, right, the book Why Not Win? Especially when we think about in your leadership development work. With the why not to win, like how yeah. they utilize this, how can they get the fullness? Yeah, I think the people who get the most out of the book are the ones who don't read it page by page. What do you mean? Right? Yeah, break that down to me. What do you mean? It's a book, multiple chapters, but what I found is I read it the first time page by page, but the way I treat it now is if I need a reminder of a lesson, I go back to it. It's tabbed. I have several books and it's quite annoying. I have like four books that all have marks in them. I wish I could blend it all. But the point is the book's greatest value is to think about each chapter as almost an individual lesson. Um, And I'll give you my favorite one. Uh, My favorite lesson is the one that's uh, our 16 hours, right? The thinking is that there are 24 hours in a day. You must sleep eight of them. So you have 16 entire hours to make the day count. And More importantly, one of the things that's always really bothered me is the fundamental misunderstanding of how important time really is. Uh, People tend to disrespect Mm -hmm. time and disrespecting time is therefore disrespecting people. And uh, my husband has this saying that he says, always arrive in time for juice, water or coffee, whatever appointment you have, make sure you have time. That if you want some juice or some water or a cup of coffee, you've got time to do that, right? Uh, But I've taken it to another level, and I hope the audience appreciates me and my crass nature in saying this, uh, because I think all human beings will be listening. Maybe some AI folks will be listening. They won't understand. But um, I take it to another level and say, always arrive in time for juice, water, or coffee, or if you have to take a poop, Mm -hmm. Right. We are all human beings, and the research says that every 24 to 36 hours or so, our bodily functions. Now, for those who have it scheduled at a certain time every day, good for them. That's not me. Uh, But I always ask people, would you ever want to be sitting in an interview? Right? You got there on time, but you didn't have enough time to do everything you need to do to get right. And here you have to do a number two, and you got to sit through and engage and can you appreciate how distracting that is? And then you take it to a real personal level. It's a first date, right? And you get there just in time to be on time for the date, but you're trying to have a steak dinner and impress someone and you have to do a number two. So it's not about the number two here as much as it's about giving yourself time. And the biggest piece that people don't understand is that 
being on time and being sensitive to time is one respectful, but two, it doesn't start two hours before no. the event. It starts the day before understanding everything that needs to happen in synchrony to actually make that day effective. So those are the kinds of lessons that you will pull from the book. And what I just described is not in the book, but that's my mm-hmm. interpretation of it. So if I were giving a sermon from the book of 16 hours, that's the mod- that's the model that I would use to articulate uh, the importance of that. Um, and so the other lesson, and I don't know if I'll have a chance to talk about this, but it's probably one of the most important uh, messages that that we're really working to to make sure we articulate, and it's centered around. Uh, it's in the book. Don't stop for yield signs, mm-hmm. um, and everything in life is a yield sign, and that's a hard one because people think, well, no, there are some things that happen in life that you've got got to stop. No, as long as you have breath in you, you have to keep going. And oftentimes we think about the loss of a mm-hmm. loved one, right? Lose a loved one. Should life stop? Probably not. Unless you both go at the same time. I would imagine the one that's lost would want to make sure you keep going. Now, do you need to take a break? Might it take a year or two to get? Absolutely. But don't stop for yield signs. And everything in life is a yield sign. You can get laid off tomorrow. You may have done nothing wrong in your place of employment. Uh, The truth is life happens. Uh, people, I've, I've, I've been non-contract renewed, renewed after a stellar year of performance. Circumstantially, it just was mm-hmm. not able to continue on for whatever reason. If we let ourselves get lost in those pieces and then if we stop, that's when we pretty much agree to kind of sign off. And the truth is, unless you are no longer with a pulse or a heartbeat, there's an opportunity to keep going. Um, the, 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 the good the good Christian folks say, as I still have breath in me, I have a duty and a responsibility. And so we should take that and realize that life is to be lived to the fullest. It's a duty that's given upon us and we have a responsibility to fully engage uh, as much as we can, adjust accordingly, take a break, rest if you must, as the quotes often say, but more importantly, make sure that we do not stop for yield signs. Um, I touched on something else that made me think of one more thing I would want to make sure is on here. I hope it makes a podcast, but life happens from an employment standpoint. Uh, The Why Not Win Institute teaches leadership development and fundamentals. And one of the things that I learned many moons ago from a former CEO uh, for United Technologies Corporation, his name was George David, and we had the most generous uh, employee assistance program for uh, pursuing your college education or college degrees or additional degrees. And one of the philosophies that drove that was that you cannot guarantee employment, but you can guarantee employability. If many of us would embrace that concept that you might be employed at John Doe company today, um, that's not guaranteed. I mean, unless you're really a Supreme Court justice and even that's not guaranteed, uh, you really have no guaranteed employment. But the ability to be employable is something that you can guarantee by sharpening your skills, making sure your communication your relationship skills, your demeanor, deportment, disposition are always a focal point of development and getting enhanced, making sure you work hard, you relate hard. Those are the fundamentals that we try to teach to make sure that we're strengthening the communities that we're touching. This is so powerful and so good. I know many may be listening. Okay, well, how? when are we going to get to the comfortable and the uncomfortable setting? All of this is all inclusive. And I want to touch on a few things that you mentioned about. One, about time, right? 
I always look at time as being so valuable, you can never get it back. That's another thought in my mind. And then I also think, too, you talk about the good Christian folks. And I think about um, life. There's so many things that come into play. Things are happening now in this world where people are being killed, destroyed, things being taken, right? Mm -hmm. But we have been given life to have life more abundantly. There's so much that we can take from the quotes that you have given us uh, to be able to share and expand upon, like you said, to be even to teach a, a first grader. Like the fundamental things of life to be able to move forward. And I'm so glad today that you're sharing. And we're keeping all of this in the podcast, by the way. <laughs> Keep all of it. Because this is like, to me, this is, I mean, these are very valuable lessons that you can really take and apply to just everyday living of you just being. Um, so I know that we mentioned again about being comfortable in uncomfortable settings. What are your thoughts or could you share a little bit more on how could we as black and brown women get comfortable in the uncomfortable settings, if that's even possible? Great question. And I spent a lot of time thinking about that. Um, as a, a black woman who has lived a great deal of my life in uncomfortable settings, right? Uh, and, and here's what I mean by that. People say, well, she works at HBCU, so she works around all black. Yep, but I got in at 37 years old as a vice president. If you know anything about the average age, majority males, majority ministers ordained in some form of fashion, and majority with their entire career in higher education. So even in that setting, still uncomfortable. Um, so your question to me, and I want to make sure I understand is, 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 is the title of the show, becoming uncomfortable, becoming comfortable in uncomfortable yeah. settings. I think it's, it's, I'll answer it two ways. Uh, one is find communities that affirm you. Okay. Mine are simple. My husband Kwame affirms me every day, uh, reminds me who I am every morning when he says, have a good day whether if we're traveling and it's on the phone or in person, it's our farewell uh, departure moment. There's something about his belief in me that I need. So find your village, your community members who will affirm you. And don't be afraid to recruit people if you don't have an identified person, because none of us can do this alone. Your children can also be a great affirmation. Um, the other thing I would say is, understand and think about ways to make the uncomfortable the comfortable. In other words, if you just anticipate the mm -hmm. discomfort and don't get lost in trying to get to a point of comfort, I think you'll have a different posture and a different demeanor. So here's, here's what I mean by that. You know, there's someone, I can't remember who it was, who talked a lot about this idea of bring your whole self yeah. to work. And I've been working on this one and, and I usually slow down because I want to make sure I say it correctly. Um, but I was listening to a podcast or a video or something, but the, the basic concept was understanding that uncomfortable is just a structure. It's just different. It's not uncomfortable. It's just different. Uh, but we have to take the time to understand the space that we're choosing to be a part of the rules of engagement. All right. And I say that because it doesn't mean you go in and expect to be treated a certain way because no, it's you come into a space and there are rules of engagement. And one of the best examples is an employer, right? You have accepted a job with XYZ organization 
And in accepting that job, the company tells you, here are our core values. We value this, 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 and this. Here's our performance standards. We value this, 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 and this. Here's your job description. You'll do this, 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 and this, and the most powerful phrase in every job description and other duties as assigned. And so if we go in thinking, well, they told me I'm going to lead the podcast and someone changes that, we've got to understand what the barriers really are, what we can and cannot influence. But we can't lose sight of the importance of performing and proving what we're doing. I'm remembering who it was. It was Caroline Wonga, who's the current CEO and president of Essence. And she talked about when she went to Target. And she talked about when she went to Target as a dark-skinned Black woman. Uh, I think she worked in the makeup division. I may get this wrong. Forgive me. Uh, But let's just hype. It still serves as a good example whether I get it right or wrong. It makes the point. And what she immediately realized is that they did not have makeup that matched her, but yet she was supposed to do work around this unmatchable makeup. Her first dance could have been said, I will not represent this because guess what? You are not representing me. That could have been an easy stance. She was working at Target at the time. Uh, but she realized that the rules of engagement there was to prove to people that I'm here to help you make money. That's what the employment contract said. As a matter of fact, if we pay close attention, our employers pay us a whole paycheck or six or 12 before we deliver anything. Like we're training, we're getting to know where the bathrooms are. You're getting paid though. And so the, the, the employer understands that there's an onboarding process and they're not demanding any deliverables. But the worst thing we could do is in parallel say, oh, well, we have some demands. I need this, this, that, and the other. Whole self, it's, there's time. There's time to do that. But what she said as her example was, once she was able to convince the company that she was there to help them meet their objective of what they hired her for, which is to make money, that when she then articulated, well, what about people who look like me having access to your makeup line? They didn't hear a selfish angle. They said, oh, everything she's ever done here has helped us make money. So evidently this idea that she's talking about will help us make more money. And she was able to take whole self. And the thing is, if we really respect whole self, like if you really respect her, why would you introduce her in a setting that she might not be respectfully received? And I know it's a little different than how we're used to. Well, if you're that way, you just take it and let them deal with it. They don't have to. They have the power. Absolutely not. So I hope I've spoken it in a way that I hope people understand no, it. A- I'm not suggesting you smother me more, <laughs> but be thoughtful about how her out because she, the whole self, deserves the proper reception of presentation. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I think that's a very, a very detailed and it's conveyed in the most authentic and true way. It's just given in pure form, pure form. So I can take that and value that as a awesome perspective, right? Because when we think about being uncomfortable in uncomfortable settings and making the adjustments, most times, like you said, we don't bring our whole self to work. You don't show up as truly you. You may change your name, <laughs> you may change your hair, mm-hmm. you may change what you wear, how you speak, shut down on giving your full thoughts and opinions. You may share that with some of your close friends or maybe a mentor or another colleague that you may trust, but you never really speak up entirely for you. And what she had done at that time was speak up for not only just her, but we think for for other yep. people like her. Um, and again, I can even see mm-hmm. that when we think about the Why Not Institute altogether. Um, I know that you mentioned how you go back 
right? And break down the book and look at it through lessons and not just page by page. But what are some key topics? I know you gave the five, but what are some key topics from the book that are often requested by groups bringing in the Why Not to Win Institute? Yeah, um, <clears throat> there are several. I mean, uh, the relationships, communication skills, winning relationships, winning communication skills. Um, uh, you know, Larry tells a story about Miss Nichols, and he tells it better than anyone else. And the story is about how he went from being this kid who was resentful of, did not like the idea of school, was made to go integrate schools, you know, school is tied to near and about the death of Martin Luther King. He pulls up in a bus. A bunch of white kids are celebrating the death of the king. As a matter of fact, I think he's confronted saying, or they're confronted saying, your king is dead. What are you going to do now? This was his reality. So he turned off from school. He um, ended up going to high school super young, born in October. So he was like super early and uh, skipped for some reason the first grade, not because of academics ends up repeating summer school every summer just to navigate out, including senior year, did not graduate this class, ends up going to summer school. But as a teacher who takes great interest in him, a white woman, uh, she's a World War II uh, veteran uh, on her second career. And she comes in, learns the students' names overnight. And anyone who was smart in that high school did everything they could to avoid her class. Mm -hmm. Uh, Larry clearly was not smart because he not only got her class, he had her for homeroom. So mm -hmm. twice a day. So she knew who Larry Thornton was. Her name was Miss Nichols. And Miss Nichols gave Larry an assignment. And um, it was the first time that Larry ever read a book in its entirety. It was Pilgrim's Progress. It resonated with him. And he had built somewhat of a relationship with her working on her bulletin board over the year. Larry got a B plus placed on his desk. He was surprised. Miss Nichols was surprised. Uh, and in short order, back then, people like Larry and his father would go spend Saturdays uh, working at the white folks' house. So doing little things, odds and ends, clearing gutters, you get it. And the, 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 the narrative was that you show up and, of course, they'd give you water and paper wrap sandwiches from the back door. But this particular time, Ms. Nichols went and set the table and invited Larry to come in through the front door. And uh, she had three place settings, a setting for himself a setting for her and a setting for her sister. She lived with his sister and Larry vividly remembers being a spiteful kid saying, uh, because they called her old battle axe. And I guess she was not super attractive. And he remembers saying to himself, well, uh, you know, he figured she'd have to live with his sister, her sister, because what man would want to live with Miss Nichols? Cause that was the resentment they had for Miss Nichols. He's in there and she goes into this soliloquy of dialogue and Larry is not even hearing a word she's saying right? Because she's preaching a gospel always, not using a word. Here, this white woman has let this black boy come in through her front door, sit at her table, eat with her fine silver. And he's so lost, he's not hearing a word she says, but she recaptures his attention when she says, Larry, I think you ought to go to college. Uh, and no one had ever used this summer school attending kid's name with college. Larry, hears that. It resonates with him in a way that we all are somewhat interested, but not willing to admit that we might be. He goes off to play with his friends the next couple of days, jokingly says, can you believe this old battle axe said I should go to college? And of course, everyone laughs it off. Long story short, it was the catalyst, the catalyst of what helped Larry think through 
what his next move was. He got into junior college, subsequently got into Alabama State University. The rest is history. That's what changed his life. So what am I, why am I taking so much time to share that piece? And it's only me telling the story, Larry, I know you're going to hear this, that I realize why it takes you long to tell it because you have to tell every bit of it is because that's the kind of breakdown that this book provides. And you think about the number of people who will read that story and realize that could be me, right? It's about relatability. And it's easy for us to think when we hear our bios. See, bios only focus on the things that worked. No bio says she applied to 17 schools and Purdue University is the only one she got into, which is why she has a PhD from there. Like no bio says that. And so he really does that piece of being vulnerable and transparent because the truth is if you're really going to reach the least of us, you can't come in here with all this big titles and fancy things. You've got to get break it down and make it common and help people understand that it is achievable and accessible despite where you come from. Uh, a famous line that Larry once said was, uh, it doesn't matter where you are. No, it doesn't matter where you've been. Uh, it doesn't even really matter where you are. What matters is that you know where you want to go and that you're dogged about getting there. And that's what we try to teach in the Why Not Wins. Oh, no, that's good. Oh, no, that, that's that's really good. It makes me think of um, a quote, and I, it just came to mind, and I just lost it. Oh, excuse me, meeting people where they are. Breaching people where, where they are. I can't talk to my sister. You know, this is a little bit more sensitive. I can't talk to her rough, right? I got to talk to her a little bit more gentle, meet her where she's at. And I think most times a lot of people for, forget that. They forget that. And yep. uh, we can definitely share those yep. humble moments. When you spoke about, you know, the 17 schools that you applied for and Purdue was that one. And Larry's yep. background with his father going through the back door. When I think about my family history of most of my aunts, and I forgot the name of the movie. It escapes my mind right now. But most of my aunts worked for white families, raising their children, mm-hmm. cleaning their homes, dinner right. and I still have a aunt that still does that to this very day All right and my grandmother she was fortunate enough to work for a black family where everyone else worked for a white family so when I would go home for the summer in Alabama to visit you would see all these white families and white pictures on the wall and it was like oh, okay this is so different they really value and appreciate them and just to see that excuse me the name of the movie was the help Saying that and being a young black girl growing up in Alabama and then taking that time for my mother to transition us to Florida, everything that was done was then was not just done for self. It was to think forward for my family and to make sure that I'm giving back and reaching back to those who may not have had the opportunity, but to show that the opportunity could be done. And what Larry has done here by thinking that I could go to college and I could, you mm-hmm. know, write all these notes to give my grandchildren and nieces and nephews and people like you and I, the tools or the blueprint to be able to do something even greater. Um, yes. I don't want to keep rambling because <laughs> you have given us a lot. I mean, these this is definitely food for thought, like serious. This is some good, good stuff. Um, are there any key takeaways that you like to share with us? You know, I think the biggest key takeaway is I think what has really muscled uh, or driven the momentum of the Why Not Win Institute is uh, we have a very devoted team. Um, we just hired our first full-time person this year, January. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Thank you. We have a director of development, um, Dana Rice, 
Um, and we've been doing a lot of this on a shoestring budget, uh, but we've been able to do a lot. And uh, we can be, you know, we, I'd be remiss if I didn't call the names, right, of the of Coca-Cola Bottling Company United, uh, the Coca-Cola Company, um, Alabama Power Company, uh, people like Dan Broughton, who just leaned in and gave us services. People like, you know, um, Tim Callahan, who just offered themselves in a way that has really helped us propel and build. And we still do not know what it is. But what we do know, because we have the right assessment tools in place, is that it's having tremendous impact. Uh, the corporations are reacting. And kudos to our corporate partners, O'Neill Steel and, and Landing. They're not just reacting for the benefit of their employees. They're reacting for the benefit of their employees, seeing the value and saying, how can we help you do more? And so that is probably one thing that I would say that because as a nonprofit, right, 100% of the book sales, this is Larry's book. It's done well. He could have benefited from it, but 100% of book sales profit comes back to the Institute. Uh, we now have the graphic novel. We have the generosity of a gentleman by the name of Dan Broughton, who underwrote the entire production of our first 10,000 copies just to benefit the Institute. And so it goes back to, um, I talked about the good Christian folks, of which I'm one of them, uh, but one of the most powerful sayings is you reap what you sow. And we've put a lot into this effort and the universe is yielding back our ability to get the story out there. And so I hope there's a listener out there who just thinks about, you know, whether or not, you know, where's greatest value? Where do we really put good into action? Um, it may not be the Why Not Win Institute, but wherever you sit as an individual, you have the ability to help shape the world. And I'll just close out by an example that Crawford Johnson, um, sorry, Crawford Jones uh, shared, the great, 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 great grandson of Crawford Johnson uh, shared at a pay it forward session. He talked about um, a book that he had read, read, and I forget the name of the book, but it talked about a plane leaving Atlanta and the plane leaves Atlanta. And when it leaves Atlanta, if you shift the nose of the plane by 45 inches or so, that in Atlanta, that can make a difference of that plane landing in Los Angeles or wow. Seattle. Now, all of us know geography. And it just tells you that if we could just shift the trajectory of people, help them understand time, help them understand relationships, communication skills, demeanor, deportment, if just a slight shift can make a huge difference. At the end of the day, we will create a better world if we could create more winners. My definition of winners is people who can identify something that they aim for and actually mm -hmm. achieve it. And the truth is that there's room for everybody to win. And that's fundamentally what we work for. Oh, that's good. That's good. Definitely shifting our trajectory. So any shout outs? Yep. Um, I've given my shout outs. Thank you for that. Look, as a good fundraiser, I know how to give those early on. Uh, but, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank my husband. That's what I was getting for. That's why I said <laughs> I'm like, I can never heard him in the key takeaways, but I definitely, you said that, you know, you need the affirmations from him every day. So I definitely want to give you an opportunity to shout him out and others. Yeah. And, you know, my UNCF family, you know, we, we work and toil with our HBCUs every day. Um, you know, the mission of Black Higher Education, I think, is a game changer. And, and I'm just thankful for my ancestral um, structure that, as I think, carries me. I don't walk into a room. I don't have a conversation without thinking there are 3,000 ancestors um, standing right behind me. And that's what makes me feel like I'm propelling and doing the work that I'm supposed you to be doing. Are. So you I'm thankful. You are. And this is a significant 
this is significant work. Definitely significant work that's making a huge impact and difference. I think in many lives and definitely to our listeners listening in, like this is something that you can put on repeat. This is something that you can play as you move around the house, as you lay in bed for thought. Like it's really valuable information. And please, 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 could you shout out the book so they can make sure that they, again. Yep. The book is Why Not Win by Larry Thornton. And um, and we have uh, the graphic novel version of it. You can get the go to whynotwin.org. That's our website, and you can get to both books. Uh, that's where you get the graphic novel, which is designed really for K through 12. And then the actual book can be bought on Amazon, Books a Million, and on uh, Barnes and Noble. That's it. That's it. And I thank you so much for sharing. You've been, I mean, a true gem. Definitely a true, very valuable, so valuable and so powerful in so many ways. Even just your presence and always just being here. You said just being is super powerful. Um, And that's our show. Thank you for joining us on Living Corporate Podcast. Please, please, please be sure to purchase the book and be sure to follow Dr. Zila and make sure to follow us on Instagram at Living Corporate, Twitter at Living Corp underscore pod and subscribe to our newsletter. We would love to hear from you. And then also to the Living Corporate website. If you have any questions you'd like for us to share reading the show, make sure you email them to livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. This has been Shanisha and you've been listening to Dr. Zila Fluker. Okay, so I hope that you guys enjoy our conversation with Dr. Zila Fluker. I mean, she is nothing short of amazing. If you guys have not taken anything from this episode, write down those five essentials, okay? Those five essentials for life, I mean, carry you a long, long way. And as you mentioned, they could be applied to children, right? So if we can learn these things now, I think the longevity of who we are becoming, becoming comfortable in the uncomfortable settings, I think we will definitely master a lot. So thank you so much for tuning in to Real Talk Tuesdays. It's Shanisha. Check in back with me next Tuesday. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.